Hello and welcome to Sales Veterans. I'm really pleased to have Rick Williams on our first show. Rick spent eight years as a reserve in the Yorkshire Regiment. He spent 30 years working in tech, 20 of which have been in sales. He's sold for big players like LinkedIn, Oracle and Adobe, and shares his insight into the world of sales and why veterans are a great fit in a fast-moving, dynamic industry. Enjoy the show and leave us a five-star review. Rick, you know my feelings on uh, selling, business-to-business selling. You've got 20 years' experience in the industry. Can you just unpick a bit around selling and the general stigma around sales? You know, I've been 20 years in sales, and it's, it's, it's my profession, effectively. Um, I, I think if you... Yeah, there's lots of stereotypes about what selling is. And I think if you're not in the industry or haven't been involved in business-to-business selling, in, in my case, technology or software, you've probably got you know, a wrong view of what selling is. You know, no one likes being sold to. And people tend to think of, I don't know, door-to-door salesperson or something like that, or a pushy, greasy, you know, someone trying to force a product on you. Um, and that isn't sales. That isn't what a sales career is all about. Um, selling is, um, you know, it's a massive subject and we can, we can take several, several hours talking about it, but in, in simple terms, selling is, you've got to think of it as being a consultant where, you know, a product or a service or a solution. And what you're trying to do is diagnose someone's problem and whether or not you've got a solution to help them. So it's, it's you know, thinking about what a doctor might do when you go and see, a doctor and the questions they may, might be asking, you know, what are your symptoms? It's exactly what a salesperson, a sales, a good salesperson will do that, right? So a good salesperson is going to meet that prospective customer and ask them, you know, good questions, good open questions to encourage that person to talk, to tell them a little bit about their business, what they're trying to achieve, maybe some of the issues they've got, what's not working today, and selling really is about being able to ask good questions and then really listen. And the listening is a key part, all right, because um, it's not about pitching. You know, it's not like Dragon's Den. It's not The Apprentice. When they talk about selling, that's not selling. You know, they're just pitching. They're not giving the person an opportunity to even digest what you're saying. So selling to me is, in very simple terms, is thinking of yourself as a consultant and your job is to help fix a problem or improve a situation, you know, make their life easier, better, quicker, faster, save money, make money, whatever it might be in that business. It's a, it's about asking the right questions and then guiding that customer through a journey so they can understand and get to know your product or service in such a way that they can start to make a informed decision about whether that's right for them and their business. It's interesting. The two things there that I've written down is around the consultant piece and also around listening. Cause I know, or maybe part consultancy for a second and, and talk about the listening side, but I know that mm-hmm. a lot of people who be listening to this would never associate selling to listening. It's more associated. I hear a lot around, you know, I thought it was pushing product on people. I, I thought it was, you know, trying to knock down doors and trying to sell them a product that you, you you might have and trying to push it in front of their face. This listening piece, why do you think customers react so well to kind of 
being heard and 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 a, a person coming in and kind of guiding them with questions and listening to what they have to say or the other kind of pushing product on them yeah i mean look a a weak salesperson or an inexperienced salesperson will push their product and i guess the way that might come across is that they you know they might be excited and enthusiastic about what they sell and they might just hear something that gives them a hook that they think yeah yeah i can sell that that, that i can i can sell this product because yeah we can do that and they could be a little bit hasty to try and um you know dovetail that solution into what they think is a problem but if the, the danger with doing that is you don't really get to understand the full picture because even if you've got a problem that's been identified, it doesn't mean they're going to buy anything. And your job as a salesperson is to, is to really dig into, okay, what is a problem? And, and, and why is it a problem? And who cares? And what's the impact from an economic perspective or from a personal perspective or whatever angle you want to take with that person, with that department, with that company? Because if you don't understand the sort of the pain piece or the implication of pain, as we tend to call it in an industry, then it makes it very difficult to build a justification about why they should spend the money. Because look, lots of businesses have lots of problems. So if you think of them in terms of fires, right? Lots of different departments will have little fires, big fires. Sometimes they let those fires burn because it's too much effort to even go out and try and put the fire out. So by spending more time to listen, you can start to really dig a little bit deeper below the surface of, okay, what is the real problem? So they might think they've got a problem, but the problem might be the result of something else that's causing that. So what's the causation of that as well? So it's just kind of being a little bit more patient and digging in a little bit more, asking a few more questions. And, you know, you gotta, you're also trying to build trust because they may not actually come out with all the real problems. They might just come out with something. Um, and it's your job to really try and, you know, uncover that in a bit more detail. So that's why listening is really important. So it's asking good questions and listening and not trying to answer their questions or, you know, try and give them time to, to think and to, and to deliver their response. And then, you know, ask them again, oh, tell me a bit more about that. Don't, don't just take the first answer, but try and really dig into it. And that's why listening is so important. That's really interesting. You know, it's in your benefit as well, isn't it? We, you and I have, have geeked out on sales a couple of times now and we talk about, you know, time is the commodity for a salesperson and you don't give a customer the opportunity to speak and you don't listen to a customer. Then you're just trying to push something down that maybe down their throat or trying to pitch something that might be a good fit for them. But there may be five, six, seven other things that are way higher on the priority risk, you know, from a risk revenue cost perspective. Um, and you just haven't given them, or at least asked the right questions and given them a chance to tell you about what else is happening in the business. I mean, just, and just to add to that very quickly, I mean, really, even if you've got a problem that you can fix, again, going back to the point of, will they spend money to fix it? Part of your job as a salesperson is to qualify whether they've got the means or the authority or the budget, whatever it might be. I mean, it may not be that person, but has someone in the business got the ability to do that? And, and we call that qualification of, of, of the opportunity. And you won't really understand that if you don't ask more questions, if you don't dig in a bit more, because if you're too hasty to try and fix that problem, because you say, okay, they've got a problem, I can fix it. And they go, great. 
it's very easy if you're if you're a junior salesperson or inexperienced to then go down that process and get all excited and have what I call happy ears. You've got happy ears because you're hearing the things you want to hear, right? And you go through a sales process and then three months later, six months later, nine months, however long it takes, depending on how complex it is, it doesn't get past, you know, the economic buyer, the person with the purse strings, because you haven't built a business case. There's not enough pain there. So it's really important to not rush to give a demo. It's not, it's not rush to the next step, but really take time to do what we call discovery. Discovery is a process of uncovering their needs, their requirements, and trying to find, you know, what the, what the pain, the implication of pain is. It's funny that you say that because I've absolutely been down the rabbit hole of getting all excited about an opportunity that comes into the business. You know, when I first started out in sales and you, you do go down the rabbit hole, right? You're not asking the right questions. You're not mapping the right kind of decision makers. You're not understanding what else is happening in the business. You're just all excited about this opportunity that you can go and pursue. I don't know if you've you've ever done it in your early career. Uh, look, and, and, and look, it's easy to do. And and you know, I'm not going to lie and pretend I don't do it anymore. You know, we all we all do it. It's nature of sales. Is you get excited because that's part of your motivation. Is you know, you might have spent weeks, months, you know, trying to get in front of this person, and then when they say, yeah that's exactly what we need. It's, it's difficult not to get excited, right? Because it might have taken a long time to get there. So look, it's no different. You know, it'll be something I will do as well uh, from time to time. What you rely upon is you to then, when you sort of do a post-mortem or do a debrief on your call, you know, you do go through your call notes is then to think, okay, what am I missing? What should I be doing? And also part of a, a good sales manager, the leader of the team, uh, you know, he or she, what they should be doing is is coaching you and actually asking those questions too, because it's it's really easy to get blinkered on on the mission, which is to sell that, and and to and to and to miss the bigger picture and to miss the fact that maybe you don't know the other stakeholders, maybe you don't know who the economic buyer is, because you ask the question, and sometimes you won't ask the question because you might be focused on something else. So. Look, we all do it. I still do it. Don't worry. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I won't pretend that I don't get excited sometimes. We all get happy ears, trust me, no matter how long you've been doing it. And I, I definitely still get happy ears. I still get it now. <laughs> I think I'm a bit more reserved and I'm a bit more, you know, I, 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 I know how to calm it down a little bit, but I think there's, no, there's nothing like that excitement about an opportunity that comes through the door that, you know, you can get stuck into that's mm-hmm. potential in. And it's just, getting that experience and having the right guides and teachers and leadership team to, yeah. to steer you down what the right route is and to learn and to, you know, make mistakes. But once you've made a mistake, understand the mistake you've made and learn from it. So, um, yeah, I def- I definitely get happier still, even now. Yeah, no, look, it's part of the motivation. So it's good to get excited, but you need to have the discipline sometimes to remind yourself, okay, that's good. There's an opportunity there. Right, let's go through you know, a process and there's different, there's, there's different trainings out there. You can go and read it about, which will talk about how to qualify and you can go through a series of steps because essentially sales is a process, right? So you're going through a number of steps, you're doing some diagnosis and then you might be thinking, okay, I don't really know who's got the authority to sign this off. Did I ask that question? No, I didn't. Okay. That's a question I need to ask next. How do I set up a situation for me to have the opportunity to go and ask that question? It might be you do an email, might be you have another call, but you know the 
it just takes experience and discipline and hopefully you've got a good sales manager who will also be supporting you to ask those questions. That's what a sales manager does. A good sales manager is a coach. They're going to listen to what you've been talking about and go, great. Do you know this, this, and this? Do you know what the decision criteria are to make a decision? No. Okay. Have they bought something of this magnitude before? Don't know. Okay. These are the good questions to go and find out, Fred. Go and find out. And that's what a good sales manager is going to do is just to help coach you through the process. Yeah, so you're not you're not on your own, right? That's, that's the whole no, point. I mean, look, if if you're in a good company, it's really important. Selling is not a solo a solo job; it's a team effort. Um, you're in a team. It, you know, it could be a typical sales team is about eight people, maybe twelve people. Um, any more than that, you can't really manage more than than that in terms of number of people. A good sales manager is their job is to help you be successful, right? It's not to beast you and and check how many phone calls you make or anything like that. A good sales manager is about helping empower you to be the best that you can be because when the team is successful, they're successful because a sales manager gets bonus basically on the whole team, num- the whole team's number. Um, so, you know, good sales managers, are you got to think of them as coaches, right? So if you're, it's a bit like having, you know, if you're a professional tennis player, you, it's not a solo, it's a solo game in terms of you playing, but there's a whole bunch of people around you. You've got coaches, You've probably got a psychologist, you've got a master, maybe, you've got a physio, you know, you've got a dietitian. And, you know, you got to think about that in terms of there's a number of different parties around you typically to help you be successful and sell. So you might have what's called solution consultants. These are people who are going to help you demonstrate the product or deal with any technical questions. You might have um, uh, SDRs or ADRs or BDRs, these are business development reps, essentially, or sales development reps. These are people you will work with to help penetrate into your into your accounts or your territory. They're, you're going to work with them to put a plan in place to try and get into some of these accounts that you want to go and sell into. So you need to be able to liaise and communicate and work and collaborate with, with, with a number of different people. And there might also be industry experts. There might be people who are expert in the financial services sector that's what you do or experts in banking because you may not be you're not expected to be a complete expert in everything you know you're a salesperson a salesperson really is a is, is part project manager part consultant part sort of uh, mission leader if you like you know the leader of a bunch of different people bring them together to achieve the mission which is to sell the product into your service into a number of accounts that they've got on their list you know, you hear a lot of people use these buzzwords of like curiosity, resilience and hard working, all of these empathetic, lots of these customer centric buzzwords. But, you know, you talked about the mission, the mission for any software company is to have happy customers, you know, to develop mm-hmm. accounts and to grow accounts, get lifetime value. And that takes people who are good working in a team, you know, cross-functional collaboration like they are some of the key skills of a salesperson is how do you work with the wider team? Because, you know, if you're selling enterprise deals, so really large, large opportunities with really large companies, and you could have 30 people on an account, right, within one company. It could all be working one account to make sure that they're a happy customer and you, you kind of steer them in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I use those, I use those words intentionally because, you know, the audience, you know, in the military or recently left the military, they're familiar with those terms and it's no different, right? In Civvy Street, in software sales, you're going to be in a small team. You're in a section, effectively. You've got a, you've got a team leader. Um, 
and you're, you're, you're working towards a mission or a cause. Most software companies or tech companies have become about because they're trying to change or improve a situation for businesses, right? So there's a cause there uh, which you might buy into or you hopefully buy into when you join the company. So there's a big cause. There's a big sort of mission. Uh, it might just be, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. So take something like LinkedIn that people might be familiar with. So I used to work for LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn has a very clear mission. Their, their, their role as a company is to bring economic value, economic value to everybody around the world, right? So it's to help create opportunity for people to get jobs and to increase their worth. And that's a great mission, right? So everybody who works in LinkedIn understands that that's the purpose of the organization. And everybody has a part to play in that. Um, and do their role, knowing that that contributes to the overall mission. It's no different if you're a, you know, section commander or you're a you're a gunner, you know, whatever. You've got a role to play in your section or in your platoon, um, and you're all working towards an overall goal or mission. So, in the same way, you're working in, in an organisation in the civvy street in sales in the same way. Sales is a leadership role because you are managing people, you're managing the customer which is a little bit like being a project manager at times. You're managing them and the number of different people within that organization. You're managing your own team because you'll be bringing in experts in at different times in the sales cycle, right? So selling is like, like a project management task. You know, you're asking questions, you identify there's a problem, you've got a need, you've identified that they've got the ability to pay for it. Now you've got to go and prove it. You've got to go and prove to that potential customer that the solution you've got is the right fit for them versus maybe a bunch of other companies who could do it too, i.e. your competition. So there's a process you go through to go and do that. And you can't do it on your own. You will lead it and you will facilitate it, but you're going to be bringing in experts, all right? So, you know, as for that part of that mission, you, got, you want to bring in a sapper, right? You need a sapper because you need to get across, you need, you need some sappers to build a bridge to get across the, the river, right? That's part of your mission. In the same way, when you're in, in, in selling, you might have to bring in a, a certain expert to come in and talk about part of that solution or part of that product. It might be they want to know how do they integrate their system with what you're selling, all right? That's quite a techie thing. So you get an integration expert in, and that might be equivalent of your, your engineer to come in. So in the same way that you'll be liaising with different, um, you know, different cause and arms or different specialists, it's the same idea. So it doesn't matter what rank you may have been in the army, you know, or any form of the military or any of the services, it's irrelevant here. You know, you could, you could be, you know, a junior soldier, but you're a salesperson and you're leading a bunch of other people. And, you know, your rank is irrelevant because they just see you as that person who's leading the charge in terms of the mission within that company. You're the callback, really. It's the best, best way to describe it, aren't you? You kind of, you are... You are interested in what's happening. You're choosing the players. You're pulling people in. You, yep. you, you, you're the, you know, the composer. You, you, you're st steering the charge, but you need so much support. So much. Yeah. Support. Yeah. And, yeah. And you, Absolutely. You do not. You definitely do not know everything. Like I, I've realised that from the start. The amount of times I, I've needed to pull people into opportunities, you know, to to either be the expert in that area or call leadership in to to talk about the commercials. I'll talk to peers about the past interaction with those those companies. It's it it, it and this this is I guess why I think 
uh, I, I, I strongly believe that people coming out of the military are so well suited to this space because you're so used to working with different corps, different regiments, um, you know, and, and having to get on collectively towards one quite right. a bigger mission. That's right. You don't really question it, do you? You just get on with it, right? So, um, and that's the fun. I mean, another way of looking at a sales role, another sort of way of looking at it is um, people will talk about it as having a franchise. So, you know, you think about McDonald's, right? So McDonald's is a franchise company. People can go and buy a franchise and they can run their own restaurant. And the marketing and all the branding is done by McDonald's and, you know, you pay for that to be part of that sort of franchise. It's a similar sort of thing. It's a bit like if you're quite entrepreneurial, if that's in your sort of DNA, you like the idea of, of being entrepreneurial, it's, it's, it's going to suit you as a salesperson because being a salesperson is a bit like running a business. You've got all this, you've got all these different capabilities and support around you that you can bring in, but how you organize it, it's up to you. No one will tell you how to sell. They just expect you to do that as your job, right? You, how you want to orchestrate and manage a team of people is up to you. So different people will do it in different ways. But that's okay. No one's bothered as long as the mission's achieved and the outcomes is, is what everyone wants. Um, so it's a bit like having a franchise, right? It's a bit like managing your own company. There's your territory. There's the resources. You put your plan together and then execute on the plan and bring in your specialists or, or co-workers in at the various points in that mission to help you achieve you know, the, you know, closing the sale, which is signing a contract. And guess what? You overachieve and you get paid more money. And that's the reality, right? That's, I hear that so, so much from people who are leaving the forces. You know, it's, it's I, I'm, I'm sick of working harder than everyone else and not getting the rewards financially. And you really you know running your franchise, you you do 100% of your target and you get paid 100% of your commission. In a lot of cases, you do 150% of your target and you get paid 150% of what, or 50% additionally on top of what you expected to be paid. It's it's you know what yeah. you put in, you get out, which is which is what I enjoyed personally. Yeah, it's very it's very merit based. So if you put the effort in and you work smartly. Um, you can really get, you know, you get the rewards. So some of the frustrations that you hear, you know, I've spoken to a number of, of, of service leavers, you know, they, they've, they've been on all the courses, you know, they're ready to get promoted to a sergeant, but there's no vacancy, there's no spot. So, you know, if they're in a small, uh, you know, small regiment or corps, sometimes there's not the opportunity in terms of, even though they're more than capable, they're doing absolutely everything and they're ready to, to go to that promotion, they're not getting it. And that's a very frustrating thing. You don't get that in sales, right? Because your, your rank or your status is irrelevant, right? Your grade isn't important. All people care about is the target you've got and how you achieve it. And, if you, and, and generally, the way it works is you're encouraged, incentivized to overachieve and do more than your target. And when you do more than your target, there's what we call kickers. There's usually incentives to, to give you more bonus, so, you know, if you really put the effort in and work really hard, you know, it's, if you do 100%, 150% of the work and you, if you get 150% of your target, that's not 150% of your, of your uh, bonus. It'll be a lot more than that because it'll be ramped. You know, your commission will generally, your bonuses basically will be ramped because the company wants you to do so much more. So there's real opportunity 
if you're a grafter and you're disciplined and you, you listen and you're coachable and you want to learn, um, you can do really, really well in sales. And I think a lot of military people who are very driven, they're very disciplined, get on with people, um, have leadership ability, work well in teams, are, are really well suited to a, a career in software sales. You've used the word motivation quite a few times, you know, since, since you've been talking. The status quo seems to be, you know, project management, cybersecurity. A lot of people go down these different routes, but it never, it never seems to be, you know, B2B technology sales. You've worked at some of the biggest companies in the world, the Oracles, LinkedIn, your Adobe's. So you've got a lot of experience, but what, what's been your motivation to stay within, within sales? It's a good question. Um, Salespeople will usually say it's money. And I think, you know, the, the, the reality is money is a, an element of that because there's the opportunity to make a lot of money. Um, it's one of the few jobs in the world where you don't have to have years of experience to qualify to be a brain surgeon or something to go and do it, right? It's down to your own personal merit, your attitude, the way you're working. Um, qualifications generally don't really figure too much. It is down to your your personality and, and the, the way the way you work. So there's a real opportunity to go and do that. Motivation for me is it's never always been money because the, the danger with just being motivated purely on money is, you know, sales is a bit of a roller coaster. It's never always selling. You know, there's 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 famines and there's you know feasts, and you know you need to manage that sometimes. And if you're just motivated by money and you have a bit of a, a famine, shall we say, you know, you're not closing anything, you're not, you're not winning business for whatever reason, you'd become demotivated very quickly. And, and that, you see that a lot with salespeople who are, who are quite heavily motivated with money. Um, and that's where your tenacity and discipline to, to keep the faith, if you like, and, and to be positive and know, do the right things, do the right activities, do the right behaviors, things will happen. All right. You've got to just work through a process. Um, and it'll pay off. It will pay off. But it's but it's very easy if you're getting rejections all the time. Uh, to you know, a lot of negativity, it's very easy to then get down. And that's where the skill in not a skill, it's not a skill, but sorry, that the the sort of the attributes of someone who can who can get through that and still be positive and have a sense of humor and laugh at it will push through it. And then they'll be really successful. And those are things that I see a lot. or have seen a lot in the past with, with military personnel, you know, the, the, the things that you do sometimes are highly unpleasant and, and sometimes very, very challenging, but you know, the, the, the British military are well known for their dark sense of humor, right? So if anybody can have the Nasty to push through uh, times that are, that are challenging. It's it's got to be, you know, service leavers. So you know that's that's an element from a money point of view. But for me personally, motivation is very simple. My background before sales was a consultant. All right, so I came in as a consultant into then what was called solution consulting, which is like a technical uh sales role so you don't carry a target your job is to support the salespeople. so i came from a different background most people come into sales directly so i've got this part of me which is i want to fix problems i want to i'm very curious about businesses i like to know about businesses 
I'm interested in learning about a business and how it operates. I'm interested in the people who operate that business and their departments. I love learning all the time. I'm, I'm a lifetime learner. I love learning new things. So talking to someone else, whether it's a financial director or whether it's a HR director, or whether it's a marketing director, and learning about what they do and what they're trying to do, I really, that's the bit I enjoy. That's the bit that I really, for me, it's, I enjoy the diagnosis and trying to find the issues and then and then go, yeah, I can help you. That to me gives me a lot of satisfaction because it's, it feels like I'm, I'm fixing a problem and then I get paid really well for doing it. That's my motivation. It's not just money. Money is obviously a key part of that because it means that, it, it, you know, it gives me the opportunity to go and do different things for me, right? You know, I've got a large family. For me, it's about, you know, I use money to create experiences, to create memories. That's what I'm about. It's a tool to go and achieve those things. But motivation has got to be something you have to think about. You know, what is it you're, in, what, what is it you're trying to do? I'll also go back to that cause and that mission because you've got to believe in a product. You've got to believe in the company. If you feel a sense of belonging, because you believe in that. So LinkedIn has a great mission. And when you're working on LinkedIn, you feel like you are helping people get jobs. And that's a good thing. So you have a sense of a very strong sense of belonging and a very strong sense of being part of that mission. And therefore, that's part of your motivation as well. So there's a money element for sure. There's a fixing, solve a problem. And then there might be a bit of a cause or a mission around that. And it depends on different individuals. But for me, that's a lot of what you know what motivates me and keeps me going when things get difficult or things get very negative it's interesting that you you know you you talk about money as a driver but actually solving the problems uh, for customers and digging into their businesses and the people that think about money it, it kind of shines through right in front of the customer so you're your want to help the customer when you're in with the customer is evident and the customer will sense that. And then that actually makes you more relatable and people want to work with you more rather than it being, you know, less personable, more about money. It, it, it impacts the, the opportunity and then you get paid more from it. Right. So you do a better job, you win the opportunity, win the deal and you get paid for it. So it, it actually works in your favor being more customer driven than it does being more money driven. I think so. Uh, look, I mean, it's just my opinion, but I think if you can be customer centric and genuinely care about the customer uh, and really try and understand what they what they're trying to do and, and become, you know, it's the term that you hear in the industry is trusted advisor. So, you know, uh, do, does the customer see you as a salesperson or do they see you as someone that they trust who, who can give them good advice? And if they, if they think that of you, then you've got a really good relationship and you've, you've got a really good opportunity. So I think it's taking the long, longer game is the right approach, not going after the quick book, because it's really obvious. If you just focus on your own commission check, it comes across. And, you know, people will buy from you because they maybe need it and they've got no choice. But if you do the right thing, as I always say to my colleagues, do the right thing, which is take a longer term view, focus on a customer, not your commission check. If you're allowed to do that, if the environment you're in allows you to take a longer term view, most people understand that you'll get a bigger reward at the end of it. And then what you'll get is a lifetime customer. You'll get someone who will buy again and repeat buy from you. 
which is far more valuable to the business that you're selling for anyway, and, and potentially for you. Um, and it also means that, you know, you have relationships with people which which go beyond just you being a salesperson. You know, there's there's I've got lots of customers I've sold to in the past, people, relationships that I can ring up and they remember me and they're positive about that experience because I did a good job for them. I didn't try and push anything on them. I tried genuinely to try and be a consultant to them to give them the right product or solution. And, you know, again, that makes me feel better because it's about having integrity and for what is important to me. Again, that's just me, but I do believe that good salespeople take that type of approach. And it's always nice when you move to a new company and you can just knock on the door of an old customer who you've sold to and, uh, you know, they welcome you with an open door and you have a conversation. And even if it's, there isn't an opportunity right there and then, you know, they're, they're talking to you and they're willing to talk about the business and yeah. share. So. It's so important. Look, selling is a lot of it's about network. It's a lot, a lot of it's about referrals. So even if they ha- aren't the right type of, you know, department person or company to buy, you know, your service that you're selling now, they might know someone. You know, the world's a smallish place, really, in business. You know, a lot of people know other people. So that network effect, which LinkedIn is, you know, captured and uses very well, is so important. So always do the right thing. And indeed, that also means that, you know, if you think the product you're selling isn't a good fit, you should walk away and say to them, this is not the right thing for you. But here's where you can maybe go. Because then you've been a true advisor. Right, you're not thinking about your commission check, you're not trying to just push something on them because if you do, it'll come back and bite you in the future for sure. As a as a bit of a parting shot to to, to these chats, I'd like to ask if you could just offer some advice to the service listeners that are leaving. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, the first the first thing is, you know, I, I did I used to do a bit of coaching with service leavers in LinkedIn, and the general theme that I came across was they're thinking about gone into project management or into security in some form or another. Um, and look, they're, they're legitimate, you know, um, careers, but I think it's, it's, it's what you don't know, right? Sale, sell, sales as a career has a number of different roles within it. So it's not just what I've been talking about. There's a number of different types of roles within, you know, selling and particularly in what we call B2B, which is business-to-business selling in software and technology. So I would suggest that, look, have a look at it. Um, Go and find out about it. There's lots of ex-military in this industry. I've got lots of personal friends from from the military who are fantastically successful, uh, far better than I am in, in selling, and have done very well for themselves. And it's, it's just take what you've already got. You've got lots of transferable skills. Don't worry about the fact that you don't know the technology or the product. You will get training in that. What people are looking for are people with the right attitude, the right attributes. And selling is one of those things where you can make that move. Um, so I think it's a great opportunity. Um, there's lots of variety. If you get bored easily, you know, this is great, right? I could not be a project manager. That would, it's just too, that'd be too hard for me, right? A long-term project. I want a bit of variety. I get to do a bit of project management, if you like, within my role, 
but it's varied. You know, I've got lots of different people I'm talking to, and I really enjoy that. If you're curious, you like talking to people, like learning uh, from people, and you think you're up for the challenge of managing a team with a mission uh, where you can make good money and do very well, I think a sales career in tech or software would would quite possibly suit you. So just, you know, go and explore it is, is my my advice. Go and find out more about it. And uh, yeah, talk to you, Ben, and I'm sure you'll put me in the right, in the right direction in the right way. Amazing advice, mate. I, uh, I really appreciate it. You know, just having a chat about this, about the industry, about the role with, with you will help more people understand a bit about, you know, the, the route, the pathway, your motivations, everything that we've just talked about. Um, you've helped me no end since I started Redeployable. You, you know what mission I'm on. So I appreciate that. And I'm very much looking forward to, to working with you and speaking with you in the future. It's my absolute pleasure, Ben. And uh, good luck. Thank you.